0: Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. We come to you today, after a wild few days for UCLA. Um it started out last week with some unbridled happiness, I would say, and it ended today on Monday the twelfth, with a little confusion, I would say. Um but let's 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 rewind a little bit. Chip Kelly is gone. We come to you at the Let's turn start of there. the
1: tide is what, I, is what I would say today. Uh, on Thursday, that's how it felt, right? Because, uh, I mean, Mr. Kelly, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Uh, you know, we don't need to belabor the point here, right? Just no appreciation for the job. Completely insane methods of talent acquisition. Um, just... Not running a serious program for the last six years and oh, just a bunch of entitlement uh, just all throughout. So don't hit, let the door hit you on the way out. Um, enjoy Ohio State. You, you thought that you know fans mm-hmm. didn't like you here. Wait for that pressure cooker over there. And, and I'm 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 super excited to see this. Right. I'm excited to see. Chip Kelly go work for Ryan Day, who is just in a completely different spot, phase of his life than Chip Kelly, right? Like one is just incredibly motivated to win. The other just could care less about college football and all the stuff that the Buckeye fans are saying, oh, he won't have to recruit here and all that. Well, like be, that that's even like the result. The cause is that this is he just is not motivated to be here. And so don't let the, let the door hit you on the way out. Happy you're gone.
0: I have no idea what Ryan Day is thinking with this move. I know they have a personal relationship. Uh, He was, you know, Ryan Day was coached by Chip Kelly at, at University of New Hampshire at one point. Obviously those ties run deep, but that feels like the only reason Chip Kelly has a job right now that is not at UCLA because he tried everywhere to try to get a new job and without fail every single other job said no 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 he was damaged goods and let's be honest the the his media buddies aren't going to spin it that way but that's the plain fact and the only reason he has this job at osu is because of ryan day's relationship with him and yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out for Ryan Day. I think this is going to backfire heavily on him. But, hey, not my problem, not your problem, not UCLA's problem anymore. Nope. You know, thank you, Ryan Day. That's all I have to say about that. Thank you for taking the worst coach in
1: UCLA athletics, like, major athletics history, including Steve Alford. I'm, I'm going to go that far. Like, including Steve Alford. Like... Uh, just zero energy into the program complete entitlement UCLA needed to get up and out of this albatross to move into the future because go, going forward it, it is not it has nothing to do with wins and losses uh, in this modern era of college football even in the previous era of college football just this was not a successful way to compete it just it was never going to be that uh, one good season in six season in six years let's call it what it is And in that one year, they lost to Arizona. Um, So again, uh, the worst coach in the history of UCLA athletics is finally gone, and we can move into the future.
0: We can move in the future, and I will just say one more point on this. It didn't need to go down this way, and I think the theme of this episode will be not really a damnation of Chip Kelly, because we've done plenty of that. And we've probably done plenty of this as well, but I, I think a lot of this episode is going to point to one person and the failure of one person in this in this situation. And that's Martin Jarmond, whether it was with how he handled Chip Kelly's uh, final days, you know, whether he should have fired him or not, you know, how that whole thing dragged on to the point where Chip Kelly was openly looking for jobs and we did literally nothing um, and got caught with our pants down. To this coaching search, which we're going to talk about because we have already gone through a very, very quick coaching search, obviously very late in the cycle now, and we have a new head coach. But before we get there, let's talk about this quick search. I mean, what happened when when Chip Kelly left, right? Like it was announced that we're going to get somebody in 96 hours and all sorts of names started popping up, right?
1: 96 hours was the promise um very aggressive in my mind not really necessary because this isn't december where like you literally do like 96 hours would actually be like the upper end of the spectrum there if you were talking about a december search where you have de- like every day is precious in terms of transfer recruiting and so on so forth and that's when all the coaches are moving so you got to be aggressive they hire other coaches but in February, like, did you really need a ninety-six hour deadline? Um, I don't think so. But but that was the deadline that Martin Jarman gave this whole thing and said it very publicly. And in those ninety-six hours, all sorts of names bandied about, um, all the way from, you know, Brent Brennan to Tony White to Troy Taylor to you know all, all sorts of names. Uh, David Shaw was 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 in there. Um, disgusting. With, I mean, I mean, whatever happens with this, I'm happy that David Shaw is not the head coach now. You know, I don't know what happens otherwise with him. Um, and, and through all that, we, we finally, you know, Tommy Reese, he, he was a name thrown around and, and looked like the theme of the finalists more or less was the young energetic coaches. Um, let's just say young coaches. Uh, you know, it looks like Tommy Reese got up that, that list. Tony White got up in that list, and then finally
0: the guy who got the job, Deshaun Foster. So there we have it. I mean, Deshaun Foster was named head coach of UCLA today, which really kind of came out of left field. Now, I know the Twitter buzz and the player buzz was they love Foster, right? They wanted Foster to be the coach. But this generally tends to happen with any time a coach leaves or is fired, um... You know the players call for you know some of their favorite existing coaches to be promoted. The community you know calls for you know people on the staff to get promoted. All that kind of stuff always happens in these situations. That being said, that's not always the best answer, and I I think this might not have been the best answer in this situation either. And I will I will caveat this. I don't think that I and. No, no, I don't think I actually really like Deshaun Foster. He is obviously a great Bruin. His history here speaks for himself. He obviously bleeds blue and gold. You you have you know, if you're a Bruin fan, you know Deshaun Foster from his playing days. He was a a pro for many, many years in the NFL. Like he is an accomplished player, you know, football guy. He's entrenched in the community. That's all really good stuff. And I I, I think those are all positives to him. But to go about a coaching search in 96 hours and come out with probably the most uninspired candidate, I think uh, has me scratching my head a little bit. And uh, if I wasn't uh, questioning Martin Jarman before, and I absolutely was, I am 100% questioning his leadership at this point. And... I think the sentiment is many, many people across the Bruin community are confused a little bit by this, especially people who follow football closely. Like, this is a weird hire. Yeah, I think th- there's so
1: much to unpack here. Um, I guess let's let's start. I- I'm actually going to start this with, you know, I'm, where I think Martin Jarman was going with this because... And obviously, you're right. Uh, you, you you know what my thoughts are, and, and we'll get to that in a second. But where, where what led Martin Jarman down this path? Well, there's a 30-day transfer window that opens when a coach leaves. There is no transfer window, like national transfer window, that is open for UCLA to acquire players in, with. Um, and so that, I think, combined with the fact that the players were asking – for Deshaun Foster also combined with the fact that I don't know why this was the case, but a number of coaches extended their contracts uh, in the last year. Um, why that would happen with this coaching staff, I'm, I'm not sure, but it happened the same way that Kelly had a great, a huge buyout. It happened, and so you have coaches that you could keep, but I think if you asked Martin Jarman and, and you know you, you got him a couple beers and, and got him talking, I think the whole thing about the roster would come up. I, I think the fact that you could see a lot of players transfer out with no opportunity to get them back in and Deshaun Foster being the best chance to hold that all together. Also combined with the fact, and I think this is going to be the hardest thing for UCLA fans to take, and I think we all just have to make our peace with this i don't think martin jarman sees these last three years as a failure i think he sees it as hey we had pretty good success on the field and the part that needs to change is just you know the coach needs to recruit more and so i think deshaun foster maybe can do that and uh and so because of that it's continuity that's 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 what's being it's the word of the day it's continuity from the previous staff and it's a none of this has anything to do with Deshaun Foster, right? Like Deshaun Foster is a great Bruin, a great player, a legendary player for the school, was a great running back for, for me personally. My my first one of my first football memories is the 2003 Super Bowl Panthers and Patriots. And I remember the, the big Deshaun Foster run with the dive at the end where he stretches out the ball, like the iconic dive. Um, you know, like great Bruin, great guy, um, has been a good coach at UCLA. He's been a good running backs coach. We've developed well at that position. Um, So it's unfortunate that, you know, those, that 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 person has to be combined with, you know, that, that set of circumstance. But that's, I think where we got to Deshaun Foster in the first place.
0: And I, I agree with your take there and, what I would say to that is I think it's lazy, right? I, I don't I don't think Martin Jarman wanted to do the hard work of vetting actual coaches in this situation. He went with probably the most lazy hire he could do he could make here, right? Like you mentioned, the players like him. He's already loved beloved in the community, all these things. He's young. Um and that's all good stuff and i and we'll get to what we think Deshaun Foster needs to do to be successful and and, and i don't think there's a reason that he can't be successful there there are re- you know paths to success here i just think it's it's a little bit more difficult and there's a huge risk here with with his lack of experience but we'll get there in a second it feels like Martin Jarman has hired an interim coach. And it feels like, unfortunately, he's sort of setting Deshaun Foster to really go up against it here and potentially fail. I mean, we're talking about a guy here who has not coached a lot. I mean, he's been coaching for about 10, 12 years. Some of that was graduate assistant work. Um, Most of that, you know, was... As a running backs coach, he did have an assistant head coach title in the past season. but we're not talking about a guy who's, who's ever put an offense together, who's put a staff together, who's recruited, you know a ret-led recruiting strategy across a whole program. like all of these things that you need to be able to do, he has not done. And that's not even mentioning the fundraising aspect of what we we need to get into. Now, with NIL and donor relations and men of Westwood and all these different things, this guy has zero experience in any of this. And that is what's worrying to me. Um, like, you, you put this guy in, great. You know, I think he'll bring some energy. I, I think we'll see some recruiting energy. We'll see some you know, uh, donor and alumni relations, but that's only going to go so far. I, it feels like this could be a very, very overwhelming position for a guy who's not been remotely close to any of that kind of responsibility. And I'll, 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 um, I'll go to say this. So, I, you know, there's a lot of folks that have pointed this out to us uh, about a number of other coaches who have kind of made similar jumps and have been successful you know, people pointed out Jim Harbaugh points, people pointed out, um, you know, Dabo Swinney, all these other uh, coaches that have were in assistant type roles that eventually kind of worked their way into getting a big jump into a head coaching position. And I'll, I'll say this about all these guys that that have done that. They generally have any, have had a combination of two or three things. One, they've all been ace recruiters. Like they have all been recognized to some degree being a national level recruiter. Two, they all have had some level of experience for, uh, at a higher coaching level. They either got some sort of interim coaching position, a uh, head coaching position in between their assistantship and their head coaching jobs, or they were an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, something like that that really helped them kind of you know learn on the job. Like those two things, Deshaun Foster hasn't done any of that. Um, And so it's a very, very, very risky hire. Yeah. That being said, let's get into how he can be successful because I think that's really important. And, and, you know, regardless of how we feel about the hire, I I think it is really, really critical for fans right now to support Coach Foster because I want to be very clear here. Coach Foster has done nothing wrong to this point. I think even if you look back at his role in the Chip Kelly era, the one gle- kind of shining bright spot that generally we had year in, year out, was were the running backs. Whether it was recruiting, he always brought talent in. Yeah. Their performance on the field, always good. Like, that, they, they were consistent and consistently pretty good. And so let's not hold his, his – uh, time with Chip Kelly against him. I think it's important to support him here. Um, I think the person who really needs to be held accountable for fumbling this whole situation is Martin Jarman. Um,
1: but yes. before we even talk about that, let's, we'll, let's go. We'll into, come back to Martin Jarman. Yeah. Cause that, that's a whole sermon that, that we could get into. <laughs> um, okay. Deshaun Foster with any coaching hire, right? There are pros and then there are cautions. Uh, what are the pros? What What does Josh Foster have going for him? He's again a great Bruin. He was a Bruin the last time that this place was a juggernaut, uh, right? On on the, he was there in nineteen ninety eight. He was even there, uh, you know. Before was he there in ninety seven as well? Uh, as a redshirt, not sure, but you know he he was there in those years when when UCLA was was really good. Um, you know, obviously had a very successful playing career, so probably has a network, you know, through his playing days and such. And then he spent the vast majority of his coaching life at UCLA. Um, you know, he's, he was a grad assistant under Jim Mora, had a brief spell at Texas Tech before coming back with the, at the end of the Jim Mora era as a running backs coach and then obviously was under chip kelly Um, also was director of player development and high school relations uh for a period which is an interesting uh thing to have on your resume um and it's particularly important to this hire uh cautions for deshaun foster i think you said some of them right like he 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 hasn't coordinated an actual side of the ball um you know hasn't put together a whole game plan been responsible for an entire offensive staff, defensive staff, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, right? So he hasn't done that. I think the bigger caution with this one is that the vast majority like most of his coaching development happened under the Chip Kelly era. And it happened under someone who is not the example of how you want to be building a college program. Um and it looks like in terms of a staff, he is going to be forced to keep a lot of that staff uh, from the Chip Kelly era. That, again, was not the model of how you want to be putting out recruiting energy, um, you know, just setting up the whole apparatus. That's not the model you want, So he's gonna, and he's going to keep a lot of that, so that's, that's a caution here. Now, how can he be successful? I think... Like you said, there there is precedence to people becoming great. Uh, Let let's just give Martin Jarman a small benefit of the doubt for a second here, and assume that he knows that the next coach has to be more aggressive in recruiting, in donor relations, and setting up the NIL apparatus. And let's assume that those things came up, and that you know he. That Deshaun Foster will be good at those things. Well, he better, because that's how he's going to be successful. Um, the next coach at UCLA, like the, Chip Kelly, just had to go. It was it, it it had gone beyond wins and losses because that apparatus was just completely dead. And Deshaun Foster's first job this next year is to get his butt to high schools, meet a bunch of coaches. I don't know if he plays golf or not, but it's to get on the golf course and take a bunch of donors out to Riviera and wherever else and get the NIL apparatus going and setting up the infrastructure of the football program, which has just been completely neglected uh, for, for a long time. This year is not about wins and losses. It's a year zero. Now, having said that, like, I don't think you can ever survive like a Chip Kelly-like start. Because we we just saw how the, that that goes right so I, I think you've got to avoid the crater season, but beyond that I think next year is not about wins and losses. It's we we need to hear that UCL is putting in the energy. We need to hear that Deshaun Foster knows this is important and now they've been given this opportunity of stepping up to the plate and you know giving it his all, and most importantly, and this is I think the most You know, whoever the coach was, whether it was Tony White or Tommy Reese or Deshaun Foster, I think this is the most concerning part. UCLA needs to support him. They need to give Deshaun Foster a chance. Uh, You know, whatever he needs in terms of staff, in terms of whatever is physically possible in the realm of whatever the hell this budget situation is. Like, give him a staff, give him, you know, people. people are hiring gms of football now because that's just an important role uh set up the staff and the apparatus in a way that he can actually be successful and then you know will the the athletic department assist him in any of these donor relations to set up the nil apparatus like and help him with any of that stuff like that's the part i think that whoever the coach was is is really frightening
0: I agree with a lot of what you said. I will disagree on one thing slightly, and I think it's it's the wins and losses piece's piece of it is if the pitch to the fans and to the community is, "Hey, look, we are we're already building something decent here. You know, we we stood that we just needed a new leader to take us to the next step or to the next level." Um, but in continuity of some of that foundation was was important, you know, and Deshaun Foster's that guy to do that. That's fine. But I think if you're pitching that, you, you we, fans are not expecting a full rebuild. Right. We should not see, to your point, a crater season like we should still be in that six game win region to get into a bowl game type of season. If that is what is being pitched to us. Because I think if you say, hey, this is uh this is continuity, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing and, and keep getting better, that's not a rebuild. And so if the if Deshaun Foster does not win, and I think he'll have some leeway as a first year head coach. But if if Deshaun Foster lays a clunker of a season, I think the seat the next season gets much hotter. I think fans will not have as much patience this time around. And I think fans will probably abandon the program at a much quicker rate than they did even with Chip Kelly. then that that gets applied to attendance, that gets applied to NIL, that gets applied to all the donations, everything across the board. I I think that it will become... uh, unpalatable for a lot of people to have to go through like a full rebuild type of cycle for a couple of years we'll see
1: i agree um i i mean you can't have the crater season i i i agree with that like when we say that you know oh we don't need to win a game next year we really mean is like no win some games just don't lose every game um i mean
0: I We're not asking to compete for the conference. We can't
1: year. be competing for conferences, and I think everyone accepts that. Now I'll, I'll say this, and this will be interesting to see. Um, you know, I don't think UCLA fans are dumb. I whatever Martin Jarman is trying to sell them, you know, clearly, you know, it hasn't been working, and I don't think it's going to work this time either. So, and I mean that in this sense. Um, I think they know. Most of them know like what this is and what this isn't. So is this a complete rebuild? The AD is trying to say it's not, but I I let let let's be honest with ourselves. This this roster is not set up for the type of schedule that we have next year, and we don't have the infrastructure right now to be competing at any reasonable level in 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 our next league in the Big Ten, and I think fans know that, um, and. I'm what I'm curious to see is look we all said we'd rather have a monkey coaching than Chip Kelly, um, and and Chip Kelly's gone now and we have our next coach, and it's time to get behind him, because uh, none of this is his fault, and he's been given an opportunity and I hate the fact that the athletic department is about to put him in this situation, where he's not going to have the resources to succeed, um, but and with that said like, we have to get behind him and. We have to hope for the best.
0: Uh, Look, I, I, as a fan and as an alum, I'm all in on Deshaun Foster already just for the pure fact that he's not Chip Kelly. I, I, I As much as we kind of talked about some of the, the cons of this hire and some of the risks with this hire, I'm actually excited for the next football season a lot more than I was uh, two weeks ago when Chip Kelly was still a coach. Uh, just to see a new face in town. Just just to see what Deshaun Foster does with this. And yeah, like, we don't want to go through the rebuild. We don't want to do all that stuff. But you know, I, I think it goes back to that energizing the fan base point. I I think there will be that is the general sentiment. Yes, a lot of people are a little puzzled by this, and you know, think UCLA could have done better gotten somebody more established with a little bit more track record yes I totally agree with that but I think the fact that it's not Chip and that it he is a great Bruin you know people are excited for that fact alone um so yeah we 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 should support him like you said like we said it's not his fault he's been you know given this opportunity hopefully he can make the best of it. Hopefully, the school supports him. Hopefully, the fans support him. And if they do, then I think he can be very successful. And let's and we talk a lot about support. And yes, attendance is a big thing. But really, the crux of the matter is let's talk about money and staff, right? None of the contract deals have come out yet. We know that it's a five-year deal. What does the buyout look like? I don't know yet. That will be really dependent and really... Um, knowing that will make the you know the five years either consequential or, or or inconsequential, like depending on what that buyout looks like, so that's one thing we want to look at. I think his salary and buyout also will indicate what the pool for assistance looks like, and this is the weird part, and this kind of gets into the damnation of Martin Jarman. there's a lot of info flying about coming from a lot of sources that seems to indicate that, one, Chip Kelly, before he left, requested that much of his staff gets retained at UCLA. And two, there seems to be a lot of indications that during the search after Chip Kelly uh, resigned, essentially, That Martin Jarman apparently was talking to Chip Kelly through that process to get advice on his next hire. That, to me, is one, is absolutely fucking insane. And two, is indicates to me that the pool for assistants and coordinators is going to be fairly small, that we're going to be penny-pinching a little bit, we're trying to save money, and that... We're gonna try to like promote people from within. Like I, I don't. It sends a weird, weird, weird message that I cannot make any sense of.
1: Yeah. If if he's t- again, this just goes back to the, the thing that we fans, I think, just have to accept. This Martin Jarman sees this differently than we do. Um, he just does, and and no one, and UCLA doesn't, I mean, clearly doesn't disagree with him. And it's just a fact that we're going to have to somehow reconcile and accept. And that, and that's where I go back to the whole, they can sell continuity all they want. They can sell all that stuff. Like we're not buying it and that's okay because like we're, we're going to accept it for now because we we, we want to give Deshaun Foster a chance. We want to give him the best chance possible and we're just, and beyond that, we we're just happy that Chip Kelly's gone, and that is energizing in and of itself. It is very energizing. Now again, back to the crux of the matter here. The reason why didn't we fire Chip Kelly, and why didn't we actually take care of this the way that we should have? Martin, the, our athletic department and the school just sees this differently. They they don't think this is as bad as we think it is. Uh, they, Martin Jarman sees this like Rutgers, Rutgers football. Like you know, it's it's Rutgers West. They should be happy to win eight games. They should be happy to win nine games. Uh, Look,
0: even Rutgers tries harder than us right now. And,
1: and and exactly, and that's insane, right? Like, I I married into a, a Midwest family, right? Uh, so you know, Ames, Iowa, Iowa State. That's that's where they're from. Iowa State wouldn't do this. I, Iowa State would not. Uh, keep a coach and, and a program that would set up the way that UCLA was set up and then start to pitch like things like continuity, like no one would, would do stuff like that. And so that's just super concerning in and of itself. Um, And, and what it really tells me that is that Deshaun Foster is probably not going to get what a coach needs to be successful in the big 10. He's, He's probably going to be forced to keep a lot of the staff. Um, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of money given to him to hire an offensive coordinator. There's really only like three, four positions for him to hire to begin with if he's going to keep a lot of the staff. Um, so my guess is there's not going to be a whole lot given there. Uh, and it's going to be probably all on Deshaun Foster to go out there and do the hard work. Um, it's going to be he has signed up for a very big job here so that by itself kudos to him um and, and we hope to see that you know he he's out there putting in the work but all the stuff with donor relations and all the stuff with NIL like that's that's all on Sean Foster i don't expect any help to come from the athletic department i don't expect any help to come from UCLA and that's unfortunate and it just is what it is
0: I mean the the key hires that he needs to make are going to be those coordinators. Now, we don't know what the the pool looks like. I mean, over the last several years under Chip Kelly, we had a pretty competitive pool. I wouldn't say it's, you know, best in the country or anything, but it was good enough to hire good coaches. What that looks like now, how that's being resized, I don't know, but for Deshaun Foster to be successful, aside from all the things you mentioned, offensive and defensive coordinators are going to be very, very key hires. Now, I don't know if the thought is we're going to try to get somebody. I think uh, defensive
1: coordinator's done. By the way, I think I think Malloy is going to be staying on.
0: Well, uh, we'll see what that that looks like. I. I that again feels like an uninspired choice, but hey, I again with the penny pinching, that might be the only option. I mean, Ken Norton Jr. left, yeah, earlier today, uh, jump jumping into the as a linebacker coach in the NFL. That to me indicated that he was probably looking for that promotion and he's not getting it. So, to your point, yeah, it's probably Malloy. Okay, but now who's on the offensive side? Who do we promote from within? That might be exciting. I don't know. So what I'm like, scared of,
1: by the way, is that we're going to promote, like, Tim Drebno to offensive because he's been an offensive coordinator before. So, like, uh, that, that would be – like, if that happens, that tells me, like, we're completely cheaping out here. Um, otherwise, you know, I guess you could look to previous staffs and who's been here, and that's probably your offensive coordinator list, if I had to guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, this is a, this is a key, key hire, and uh, both offensive and defensive coordinators, and to your point, if, if we're looking to do this kind of cheap stuff, it's we're setting Deshaun Foster to fail. Regardless of how good of or bad of a coach he is, Like, if he is being hamstrung this way, it is setting him up to fail. I will say one more thing about Martin Jarman here. Um, apparently... You know his contract was up for renewal, and Gene Block did not renew his contract. Basically, saying, "Look, I don't think you're doing a great job, but I'm on my way out, so I'm not gonna. I'm gonna let somebody else deal with this uh, (laughs) post me leaving. So new chancellor basically can make a change very easily at AD. Um, That feels like a damning prop, like damning statement or damning action coming from gene block who generally is indifferent towards uh, athletics for him to say i don't think the guy running athletics is doing a good job from his even his perspective that is not a great look (laughs) uh that is that is pretty yeah pretty bad
1: let's be clear why i mean it's because I, i i I don't know if it's really a, anything to do with all this football stuff that's going on right now, because if it did, then I think, like, see any of this debt that we have right now in the athletic department, and, and this is the, the the thing I think that just drives people insane. Um, the debt of the athletic department is thirty million. That's like a blip on the budget of UCLA. UCLA is not poor. Like we we are not scratched for pennies here uh if the school really wants you know they know that the big 10 money is coming and they could they could figure out a way to make this all work and they're not so why is gene blog i think it's because of this whole budget thing i i really do i i i i think the whole thing is just is purely transactional right now Um, and somebody else will come in and decide if Martin Jarman is is doing a good job or not, but you know, at the very least, he hasn't been given his extension, and I guess that's good news.
0: Well, I, I do think yes, largely there's a big budget concern that Gene Blocks up, but I don't know if you saw Mark Skipper from the fifth um, fifth down newsletter, CFB. Um, account on uh, on Twitter. He posted a, a really good kind of breakdown of, of Martin Jarman's actions um, and had some some info on kind of the Gene Block situation and, and Martin Jarman. And from, from what he wrote, it, it also seems to indicate that the whole Martin Jarman giving Chip Kelly the extension uh, the past year and then You know, basically seven months later, Chip Kelly falling flat on his face, you know, calls for him firing, getting, or, you know, fans calling for him to get fired. Martin Jarman actually did look into potentially firing him at that point before USC um, lost to us. Apparently Gene Block saw this whole fiasco and realized Martin Jarman was in over his head. And that was one of the big reasons he also kind of I uh, chose not to extend him. Again, <laughs> these are all pretty damning things if I'm an athletic director and if I'm, you know, looking at my boss saying, you fucked up on a number of friends here. Not a good look. Now, you could say June Block did hire him. So there is that. But, you know, people make mistake hires. I think, you know, Martin Jarman... When he came in, everyone was excited for him, and he he did do some good things and brought some energy. But I think what we're finding out is that he's one doesn't respect UCLA for whatever reason, uh, and two he doesn't really he's out of his depth. He doesn't really know how to run a major program like like UCLA.
1: Yeah, I mean, the what the the initial things Martin like. You still fans didn't like Dan Barbero, right? So the thought of him as someone who is conservative, old school, even that he kept coaches around too long, and then fi- you know, and, and and today we would say that you know at least he canned him when it really felt dead. Uh, Martin Jarman, I think, gets credit for one thing, which is he took UCLA into the future of collegiate athletics with the move to the Big Ten. It, it, they secured its place in that world before all the shit hit the fan with uh, conference realignment. So I think that is something that's good and Gene Block deserves a lot of credit for that, for not blocking it despite all the noise and stuff that happened with the state of California and whatnot. So that, I think, is a green check in uh, Martin Jarman's... Area, the other thing with you know Jordan Brand, I think the still uh, still it's still too early to really judge you know how much that stuff is really impacting. But you know I guess whatever happened with Under Armour, we we got to Jordan Brand, so so I guess you could say say that. But you you might say that all that happened in the first year when there was really no adversity to deal with, uh, for for Martin Jarman and for UCLA, and it was also pre like or early onset of the nil transfer portal era college athletics has changed a whole lot in the last two years and martin jarman has just been completely asleep at the wheel ucla is completely behind um you know in in one sense we got to see what's going to happen with you know contracts and things like that because we, we You never know when you're going to be hiring a coach for whatever reason. From here on out, like every coach, if you're meaning to compete, if we needed to, go, for whatever reason, replace Mick Cronin in the next two to three years, a basketball coach is going to need to know what your NIL apparatus looks like so that he can actually compete. A football coach would need to do the same thing. Martin Jarman has just been completely asleep at the wheel. And... Again, the biggest problem in all of it is that is is what you said. He doesn't believe in UCLA. Uh he thinks that these this these past few years have been success and that the fans aren't coming out because you know, they're not appreciative of what's going on. But again, like we're not stupid. Like you and me have been through some tough times, man. All right? Like we sat through Kevin Prince and Richard Briho. All right? Like so we've seen it all here. Good times. We we've seen it all and We we saw that we saw late Ben Holland years. We saw late Ben Holland years, and we also saw periods when UCLA was good. We saw the early Jim Mora years, which was fine, and we saw you know Mick Cronin take us to the Final Four. We saw Lonzo Ball's year. So so we've seen it all here. We're we've been through this enough to know that whatever was going on under Chip Kelly just was not working, and Martin Jarman just could never read the room. And, and, and ultimately, like, that's, that's that's his downfall. He just
0: doesn't know how to read the room. He does not. And it will be interesting to see what happens when we do have a new chancellor. You know, fingers crossed this chancellor is a lot more engaged with athletics. And if he or she is looking at this department and can discern that it's a complete utter mess. I, I can't imagine someone's going to sit there and go, okay, yep, this is the guy that we should keep on and keep leading this. I, I've got to imagine there will be a move made there if uh, the chancellor gives half a shit about athletics. And Gene Block, to his credit, has opened the door for that to happen a lot easier. So I guess we have to wait until this summer when that person is hired. But until then, we just wait and see. And until then, regardless of what happens with Martin Jarman and the department as a whole, we have a head coach. This is the time to put up and shut up. Like, this is the time where if you are a UCLA fan and you have the means, like, and you've been calling for NIL and calling for, you know, Chip to be fired, like, this is the time to actually go out and support the program financially by donating to nil getting to games and actually creating a an atmosphere a home field advantage for your team like this upcoming season regardless of how good or bad we are like this is the time to actually help set up some of the future and and try to help you know coach foster be successful here because if we're just if we're not gonna do that then you know We're fans are going to be talking about both sides of their ass here. And if you're not going to put up or shut up, then, you know, to some degree, Martin German might be right, (laughs) which I don't like to admit. But if that is the case, if we don't actually do what we can from a fan perspective, from an alumni perspective to support the program. Then, yeah, maybe we are just Rutgers West and. Well, uh, some of us very diehard fans will just have to come to terms with that, but I don't think that's true. I really don't. Um, and so this is the time to actually support the the new coach um, and help him try to be as successful as we possibly can. Agreed. There are other sports still going on. Um Aside from all of this uh, f- uh, football hoopla and all the, the major shifts going on there. Uh, and it's all good stuff, man, on the basketball front. I mean, we talked about this last week. The ball keeps rolling and it's rolling in a positive direction here with a sweep of the Bay Area schools. And we beat both Stanford and Cal in very, very, very different ways. I mean, Stanford against a poorly coached Jared Haas team, per usual. Uh, much older team than us, by the way. Much more experienced. We held the ball well. Limited turnovers. Played good defense for the most part. And we shot the hell out of the ball. I mean, Stanford was top ten in the country for, in shooting threes. We looked like that team in that game.
1: Yeah, that that was a a welcome sight. Um, You know, very atypical, generally speaking, Mick game. We shot the lights out. um, In The second half didn't defend all that well. Uh, You know, down the stretch, got a few key rebounds that we needed, and that was the difference. And then the game against Cal, I thought – you know, very different. Very, very different. Right, first half completely controlled the game. Second half reverted back to you know early season shooting form. Uh, it, it, and it wasn't even that I don't. The offensive execution was that bad. A lot of open shots and just a bunch of planks. Right, a lot of bricks that that that, that were going up. Um, but Dembona was struggling on his his one on one game. Dylan Andrews was struggling a little bit in, in, in his uh, mid-range game, and down the stretch, when it came down to it, Adem Bona hits the big shot, Dylan Andrews hits the big shot, Lazar Stefanovic grabs the big rebound, and we win. Um, so, you know, that was a, a great win, and in both games, I thought, our two leaders, Adem Bona, Dylan Andrews, like, this team is, is improved, but we're not a great team by any means yet. And we need those two to step up and carry us through those big games. And, and they did that.
0: What I was impressed in that Cal game specifically is when things weren't going well for us, when the crowd noise kind of ratcheted up and Haas, Haas Pavilion this season has been a hard place to play at. We We didn't let the shooting woes really affect us as much, right? We still executed. We still you know, played our game. And while the shots weren't going down, we didn't panic. We didn't force it. We didn't push. I think earlier in the season when we were in those situations, even in close games, we we got rushed. We kind of panicked a little bit. I think some of the players mentally looked rushed and were were pressing a little bit. We don't do that anymore. And that is a a huge sign of maturity and and a huge sign of this team growing up before our eyes. One minor thing I want to call out in the Cal game. Uh, Adai Mara basically took all of Kenny Nuba's, most of Kenny Nuba's minutes, especially the kind of clutch stretches down the, uh, towards the end of the game as well. Uh, That is a great sign. And, And Adai Mara looks vastly improved. I think he just needs to get a little stronger, but he looks vastly improved and looks like a player now.
1: Yeah, I think the key for us going from like, you know, I, I, what I think is a good team now to like a nationally competitive team is someone like a Daimara. Mara, um, or I still think Tung Tungjo. Like I, I just think he's too, he's shown too much in his international career and like earlier in the year um, that we know he's better than what what's being shown right now. But getting a couple of those guys over the hump to be consistent producers is i think the difference between this than like taking it to the next level um and adai mara is is showing more and more signs to where i mean again there's precedence for something like this right like amari bailey last year um you know where you can you can all of a sudden just the, the switch flips in the last four or five games and then whoa here you go um I don't know if Adaiwara can quite go that far, right? But but can we get to a point where he can be a consistent player
0: by the end of the year? That that'd be pretty exciting. And consistent, just off the bench, like we're not asking for him to be a starting player nope. here, right? Um, but look, we're thirteen and eleven now. We are officially over two games over five hundred. We're We're 8-5 in conference.
1: Yeah, we're 4th in the league.
0: Well, technically tied for for 3rd. Tied for 3rd, yeah. uh, Which is incredible. I mean, we're in a position where we are currently fighting for a bye in the Pac-12 tournament. But really, we're kind of in the thick of things for sneakily trying to win the conference here. I mean, you know, things break our way one way or the other. Like UCLA could be a kind of a dark horse candidate here, which is insane to even say out loud. Like I feel like an insane person saying that looking back at how this season has gone, but the fact of the matter is that's where we're at.
1: Yeah. We got five of seven at home to finish. And and that I think is now the, the key to the rest of the year. We absolutely must get back to to protecting home court uh, we completely got away from that at portions you know this year and 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 this this week i mean look again we said this last week right like every week is going to be like hey we got to win two this week and we're back at that again but it's at home um and we don't have much chances for resume kind of wins colorado and utah at home like you hope that after this week they can do well uh but that might be like one of our last few chances to get kind of quad one type type wins, quad one, quad two wins. So um, big games this week. It's also you know the, the five of seven at home, but the schedule is going to get a bit harder now in the sense that Colorado, Utah, Washington State, Arizona, those are all like tournament level teams. So that's going to be in our back end, and so gonna be exciting to see how we do against that back in the schedule
0: super exciting to see I uh, we we talked a little bit about this last last week but it's it's exciting to actually care about the the team again and the season again I think there was a a moment where you kind of looked at it and you're like Ugh, do we really want to watch this do we really care but the way this team has grown, the way this team has shown some fight and some heart and now is competing at a pretty high level and, and again, in the thick of co- the conference race, hell yeah. This is going to be a fun end of the season, you know, however this turns out. I think we're seeing improvement game in, game out, and that is what we asked for when things were really dire. And not only have we gotten what we asked for, we're actually seeing them win, Um and get into a position where we could potentially make a run at the conference and potentially beyond and get into the tournament, sneak in. So yeah, this is going to be a fun stretch of the season. I'm excited for, for this team and for some of these games upcoming um, Thursday night, 6 PM. We have the Colorado buffs roll into poly Pavilion and then Sunday is Utah. So these are two, like you said, every game is important now, but these are two really, really, really important uh, games coming up. So I think Mick guys will be up for the task um, the way they've been playing. And let's let's see how this plays out. But super excited. And then last thing to note, I think we will probably end on this, but women's team. Swept the Arizona schools at home. Uh, still keep their number nine um ranking after that sweep, and the really big headliner out of this is Lauren Betts is back and yep. playing. Uh, and you could see the immediate improvement on the court.
1: Yeah, uh, Lauren Betts being back is is everything. Um, at this point, Stanford being the juggernaut that they are, the league is probably lost. Um, you know. Two, two and a half games back with six to play uh, you know again I, I think effectively two games back but the, but the league is lost but if Lauren Betts is back you know can we get on a, a nice run here to get as good of a seed possible um, to then make some noise uh, yeah that'll be fun to watch
0: yeah so basketball season both men's and women's coming down to the wire we are in the final stretch, and both will be exciting for slightly different reasons, but I think uh, everyone who is a basketball fan should be tuning in because it'll be a fun one.
1: Yeah, still a chance, I think, an outside one at uh, you know, maybe seeing if we can get out into that number one seed range. I mean, we're projected at two right now. Um, yeah, I mean, still, still a lot, lot to play
0: for. Definitely a lot to play for and not too many games left, so the, uh, the screws are tightening here. Cool. Anything else? I know we, we talked a lot. There's a lot that happened in the last few days. I think we have beat this to death. We, we've beat this to death for sure, and we will see what developments happen in the next few days. Um... And uh, see how The the uh, Deshaun Foster era For UCLA football starts rolling about And what our basketball teams do In the next couple days So uh, you can always catch our, our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts Everywhere else that you get podcasts uh, Follow us on Twitter Tweet at us uh, We are always down to Engage with folks uh, As long as you guys are not being weird We don't like weirdness and as always uh, we will catch you next week and go Bruins go Bruins